1: Hello and welcome to the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed. A couple of quick things before we get started. We are a spoiler podcast. We just talk freely. So if we start to mention a movie and you don't want to hear about it, hit that skip button a couple of times. Jump ahead maybe 20, 30 seconds and we should be done talking about it at that point. That'll save you from getting spoiled on something you don't want to get spoiled on. Also, go check out our website, 30podcast.com. There are ways for you to leave us a message, leave us a voicemail, check out all the episodes that we've done up to this point, as well as get any other announcements for upcoming things that are happening on the show. It also has a couple of spots where you can check out reviews that folks have left, leave your own reviews, and it's got a spot where you can join us over on Patreon. We've got a Patreon page where we have bonus content each and every month coming out for our Patreon. We like to call them co-executive producers. So if you want to join us over there, help support the show, that is over at our Patreon page, which you can get to by going to the donate link at 30podcast.com. And I have with me my intrepid partners in crime. I don't know if I should say that for a crime movie, but partners in podcasting. We'll say that instead. Bo Warmbold. Bo, how are you doing? I'm well, John. And yourself? Good. Good. It's the start of another school year, and we work in IT in school districts. So are you are you having a beverage tonight? <laughs>
2: Yes, okay. <laughs> what can Brown do for you? I
1: can, there you go. There you go. I, I didn't get a chance to get one yet. I probably will do that in between our recordings tonight. so but uh, yes, yes. And on the other side of things, also working in the educational system, but one of the teachers with a big smile <laughs> in his, with a big smile <laughs> in his face, which means the school year has not officially started yet.
0: <laughs> the, the problem to the tech department's solution, <laughs> yes, to a teacher.
1: Yes. You're you're not part of the problem, Pat. You at least you at least recognize some of your limitations and you're at least kind when there's an issue. <laughs> I know, man. I so, know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. How are you doing, Pat? Pat? Pat Canegalo, everybody. Hey, hey, everyone. Hey, hey. Hey, hey Raj. Our movie this time around is, and I, I shared in the chat the pronunciation guide for this one, because Sean Connery is in it, everything is going to have a lot of shh sh- sh- sounds. So this movie is from 1993, Sean Connery, Wesley Snipes, called Rising Sean. And I did promise, at least in my own head, that we were all at some point going to do a Sean Connery impersonation. Last time I believe this uh, happened was Hunt for Red October. Uh,
0: I think that could be arranged.
1: Uh, <laughs> Pat, would you like to go first?
0: Okay, so I'm just gonna say, go back and listen to our impressions at Hunt for Red October because it's it's like classic because you guys nail it, and then it's just it's just awkward <laughs> when I try my impression. But uh, yes, money punny, come into no. I was gonna say come into the room, but that just didn't do it. That was wrong. <laughs> that was. I don't even know where I'm going with that.
1: Oh, this is outstanding. You you could have just, you you could have pulled the line from our, our movie we're doing two weeks from now, Mrs. Doubtfire. You could have done the tell me money penny. Why don't we undo yeah. this bow and get to know you? Right. Oh my gosh. You, were, can't you know what you were doing though? You were doing you were doing Good Morning so Vietnam. Robert, yeah.
0: I was that was the thing because I was firing you up. Yeah. Quoted, You're, You're right. mixing your metaphors. I am because what was the what you're, was the
1: drop? You're the mixing you're, you're mixing Sean Connery with Mr. Ed and Richard Nixon.
0: That's right because that's what he does. It's Richard yeah. Co- Wilbur. Come into the room. I tell you that's
1: right. Here's, okay, here's so, an I I promised I wouldn't do it, but here's an incredible coincidence. Mister R- Richard Nixon sounds exactly like Mister Ed. You be the judge. I tell you this. Now listen, Wilbur, come in the room. An incredible coincidence. That's
0: right. Yes. Only, only people that listen to our podcast will get all those references that just happened when Pat actually yes. tried to do a Sean Connery impression.
1: Pat one is a Pat, Pat. You're a a a a mash-up impressionist. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's what you. I'm a, ma- I'm a mash of something. It's, it's a. Uh, a you're. I'll call you a mispressionist, which also sounds like Sean Connery.
0: A yeah. One one ping only, please.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get to giving all the information about the movie and everything else. I just have a quick question for you guys that normally we reserve for a little bit later. Had you guys seen this movie before?
0: Oh yes. yeah,
1: you have seen it before. Okay, okay. Oh yeah, I, this, this is was, a
0: kryptonite movie for
1: me. Oh, is it really? Okay, this was a, this, oh, yeah. this was a first time viewing for me. So,
0: oh, exciting.
1: Okay, okay. all right. I was, I was just curious. I am going to ask a little bit later some questions about how early on you saw this and whether it holds up today, because there were a few scenes here and there that I'm like, ah, it's early 90s.
0: I am really looking forward to talking about this movie and the one that we're going to do last week or whatever it's going to be. Uh-huh. Uh, these two movies, I'm really, this is, especially as we have a first time watch, and they watched before yeah. perspective. Yeah, I mean, what am I saying? All the movies that we talk about are always excellent, but that's not true. You know, <laughs> I know. Finally, <laughs> after all this garbage we've been talking about, we mm-hmm. finally get some good. Mo- no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying.
1: Pat, yuck! Somebody's but, yum. Do it. Yeah, just go, no, just
0: go hard, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, no, I don't want. I'm not going to do that anymore. Do it. Which do it. means we're never going to get another patron.
1: No, it means we'll get a ton of them.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. That's it's, right.
1: Pat will bash Uh. your movie, and the floodgates will open.
0: (laughs) That's right. Oh, (laughs) Lord.
1: Basements everywhere will be done for.
0: Oh, no. All right. So this movie, as I
1: said, is called Rising Shun. And (laughs) sure, let's go ahead and just try to do some of this in Sean Connery's voice. So our uh, Mm -hmm. first little segment here is what we like to refer to. We jump back, since this is the first episode of the month, our month of September. We are jumping back. In the time machine, we're hopping in the DeLorean, and we're heading back to September of 1993.
0: When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious.
1: All right, this month in 93, September 1993. On September 13th, Israeli-Palestinian peace process. Oh, good grief. There's too many S's. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to clean the microphone when I'm done with this. <sighs> okay. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll select certain words or phrases that I think would just be good. The Oslo Accords, a peace agreement between Israel and Palestine, the PLO, were signed in Washington, D.C., the great, Oh, this is going to be a good one. The Great Mississippi and Missouri River Flood of 1993 came to an end in the U.S. during September after persisting for several months, resulting in significant damage and loss of life. Here's a fun one. September 10th, The X-Files, created by Chris Carter and starring David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, debuts on Fox. Did you guys watch The X-Files?
2: Not religiously.
0: I I didn't
1: really. I would have thought you guys were big X Files fans.
0: I, I, I never no.
1: That's surprising.
0: I I think it's like one of those that I need to like binge it through at some point. Yeah yeah yeah. But no, I never
1: did. Okay, there's there's some good stuff. There was some good stuff. I was I was a pretty big X Files fan when it was on. I don't think I watched it during its first season or two, but then I caught up. Like at that like, I it was out, and I think because I was a kid when it first came out. And I got super disappointed. I actually got angry at the show because I was like, cool, it's going to be an X-Men show with real people, not just a cartoon. And then I realized mm-hmm. it was had nothing to do with the X-Men. And I was like, it's stupid. I'm not watching that.
0: You had to just wait like 10 more years for the live action movie. Right.
1: And, well, and then I waited like a season and a half. And I was like, ooh, aliens? Alien abduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Let's watch this show.
0: Perhaps I was too hasty in my assessment of this show.
1: Exactly. September 15th, gentlemen, would you do anything for love? Oh, but I won't do that. Oh, you won't? Okay. No. Okay. Mm. Well, then you would be along the same lines as Sir Meatloaf.
2: Mr. Loaf. Mr. Loaf, Mm -hmm.
1: as he is called. Sir Loaf, as he is called by the royal family, is released on September 15th of 1993. It goes on to be number one in 28 countries.
2: Which is just crazy Mm. when you think about it.
1: Insanity. September 16th, Frazier, starring Kelsey Grammer and David Hyde Pierce, premieres on NBC.
0: Oh, gee whiz. Yeah. Check that out.
1: Let's see. September 18th, Patrick Schwarzenegger, that name sounds familiar, was born. Cool. Uh, a couple different people passed away in September. September 12th, Raymond Burr, the Canadian-American actor known for his roles in Perry Mason and Ironside. September 29th, American director Gordon Douglas passed away. Some sports news on September 4th. Penn State University plays its first football game in the Big Ten, beating Minnesota 38-20. to 20. And good grief does the Big Ten and all other college football <laughs> divisions and conferences look completely different now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is, what, are the, what is the Big Ten up to, like, 22 teams now? I don't know
2: that it's 22, but it's close.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't recognize... Any, uh, we should have, if we didn't, we should have kept the children's matching game. You know, we get those little tiles and you have to make the matches by picking uh, mm-hmm. picking two of the same. You flip them over and you find two of the same tile. We have one for the Big 12 that we purchased when John was a baby. I, If we haven't kept that, we should, because it's going to be worth something. Because I'm not sure the Big 12 is going to exist after this year. Right. It's it's like like rats fleeing off the ship. A little, a little... Sad news here. Like, nobody died, but it's close enough. September 22nd, Nolan Ryan, at age 46, pitches his last
2: game. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm. And I am not familiar with this one, but I figured Pat would be. September 26th, driver Alain Prost finishes second in the Portuguese Grand Prix mm-hmm. to clinch his fourth F1 driver World Drivers' Championship. And after the race, he announces right. his retirement. Yeah. Yeah. I figured you would know know that
0: one. Yeah. Alain Prost was that guy. To say that guy had game was, is an understatement, man. Just phenomenal driver. And over a large period of time with a couple of different teams. And he was the big foil to one of my all-time favorite drivers, Ayrton Senna. So, I mean, those two, you know, those guys went head to head. And I mean, it was, it was like, it, it was incredible because it was two different driving styles, personalities you know, kind of, you had a little bit of a changing of the guard wrapped up in it, you know, well, I already talked about personality and driving style and, and all that. And I mean, it was that those guys, they'd go at it hammer and tongs. I mean, there were times that like, they'd run into each other. And I mean, it was, he wouldn't, I think Senna tended to get a little bit more elbows out as well. But anyways, pretty amazing stuff. And again, I just can't, I just got to say, if you want to check out an excellent documentary movie, mildly interested in cars, not interested in all in cars, check out the movie Senna, the movie. It's a documentary. It's about Ayrton Senna. Alain Prost features heavily in it. The only thing is, they, because it's an, even a documentary, they need to kind of make him the villain, when in reality he was just the driver that was going against Senna. Yeah. But, I mean, you really get get a flavor of what that was like. And they ended up becoming friends. As soon as they stopped competing, they ended up, you know becoming more friends and all that, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. His fourth world, that is a hu- that is epic to yeah. win a fourth world world title. So that's very cool. And what a, what an incredibly phenomenally talented driver.
1: Yeah. Top books for September of 93 without remorse by Tom Clancy and the bridges oh. of Madison County by Robert James Waller. I, I take it. You've read without remorse.
0: Yeah. But I okay. mean, Bo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that, that, that book. book was
2: one of my favorites. And I almost cried when they made it into a movie because they
0: butchered it so bad. Oh, really? Without remorse was the John Clark origin story, right? Or am I off on that?
2: I thought without remorse was maybe I've got my books wrong. What was the one that the Ben Affleck movie was without remorse, wasn't it?
0: That was some of all fears.
2: Oh, see, I'm getting my books mixed up. You're right. You're totally right without remorse. They haven't made a movie of that yet. Okay.
0: I, I thought they, I thought they did. Mm, that's going to With Michael oh, B. Oh, what's that?
2: Yeah. I didn't like that either. <laughs> okay. I
0: didn't see that one. <laughs> it doesn't matter it who's was in it. It fine, but. It's the, it, the book, the book is the, the book is the John Clark. Yeah, and um, the movie
2: was, the movie was too. It, it was at least that much. Right. I've always felt that Clancy's, most of Clancy's books were so mm-hmm. dense. Yeah. That making a movie was hard.
0: I, I, I agree. I mean, I honestly think a lot of those books would have been really good as like what we have now with TV, like a
1: mini series. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Like what they you know? did with Jack Ryan on prime.
1: Yeah. The Jack Ryan series is great. Yeah.
2: Like that yeah. stuff's been good. And I almost wish they'd rip some of that a little more out of some of the direct book stuff. And they, they pay homage to a lot of it, but it's not as direct as it could have been. Mm-hmm.
0: And his mm-hmm. stuff
2: was just so good. Yeah. But yeah, but no, you're that, you're right, Pat. Some of all fears is the one that I really just shake my head at the movie
0: adaptation. Okay. It was, it okay. was terrible. Okay. Did you ever listen to the Friendly Fire podcast about Some of All Fears? Yes, i I'd be interesting to hear your take. Listen, because because they had a somewhat different take on that. They
2: did. Yeah. They enjoyed it. I I didn't get the feeling that they were as into the Clancy novels, and I think that's the problem. Okay. Some of all yeah. fears is yeah. probably a decent movie. If they right. had called it something else.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah.
2: Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan stops a nuke would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is they did some of all fears and one of the best storylines for some of all fears isn't
0: in the flipping move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Come on. I know. Come on. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> no, but the, the, the without remorse thing, that was, yeah, that was a, that was a good one.
1: It was. Top movies in September of 93 were The Fugitive, Striking Distance, the Bruce Willis boat movie that we did Very nice. several episodes ago, and The Good Son, the mm. Macaulay Culkin, Elijah Wood cliffhanger movie.
0: me up. That's just funny stuff right there. I'm uh, sorry.
1: Don't, don't worry. As we get further into this one, I'm, I'm sure there'll be more stuff. Top songs for September of 93 were Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40 and Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. All right, this next section is called Trivia Pursuits. We jump into the info on the movie. We tell you kind of when it was released, who worked on it, casted, grew, all that good stuff. We've got a little bit of trivia. And then after that, we jump into major moments where we give you about 10 or so major moments in the movie that should help kind of sum the whole thing up if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while that kind of helps walk you through the plot so trivia pursuits this was released on july 30th 1993 rated r runtime of two hours and nine minutes directed by philip kaufman who did the right stuff and the unbearable lightness of being writers were michael crichton who did the novel and the screenplay michael Bax, who did the screenplay crichton obviously did jurassic park and the lost world michael Bax did actually this i believe was his only writing credit Producers were Michael Crichton, Sean Connery, and Arnold Coppelson. Crichton did Westworld and Coma. Connery did The Offense and Ransom. And Arnold Coppelson did Platoon and the Fugitive. Composer was Toru Takemitsu, who did Ran and Woman in the Dunes. Cinematographer was Michael Chapman, who did Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. Editor was Stephen A. Rotter, who did The Right Stuff and The Coal Miner's Daughter. Production company was 20th Century Fox. Budget for this one was an estimated 40 million, box office was 107.2 million. CinemaScore gives it a B, Flickmetrics gives it a 56%. Mm. Sir Sean Connery plays Captain John Connor. Uh, fu- future subtle. hero of the I, resistance. I, I, yeah, <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> know, super subtle
2: <laughs> reference there.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah future, nice uh, guys, nice. Fu- future hero of the resistance there. I feel like I need to do like a drop of the Terminator 2 soundtrack somewhere.
2: I figured you just had that on speed dial.
1: I I actually don't have that one. I'll I'll have to get that one. Mm -hmm. Wesley Snipes played Lieutenant Webster Smith. He was in Blade and White Men Can't Jump. Harvey Keitel was Lieutenant Tom Graham. He was in Reservoir Dogs and Bad Lieutenant. Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa played Eddie Sakamura. He was in Mortal Kombat and The Last Emperor. Kevin Anderson played Bob Richmond. He was in Sleeping with the Enemy and Hoffa. Mako, who died in 2006, played Yoshida-san. Was in Conan the Barbarian and The Sand Pebbles. Ray Wise played Senator Morton. He was in RoboCop and Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Stan Eggie played Ken Shubik. He was in The Player and Sneakers. Tatiana Patitz played Cheryl Lynn Austin. It says she has limited film credits. Steve Buscemi. I was a little surprised to see Steve Buscemi in this one. He played The Weasel. He was in Fargo. Almost
2: didn't even look like himself.
1: A little bit, yeah.
2: Yeah, it was weird.
1: Yeah, he was in Fargo and Reservoir Dogs. Tia Carrere played Jingo Asakuma. She was in Wayne's World and True Lies. And Sam Lloyd, who died in 2020, played Rick the Videotech. He was in Galaxy Quest and Flubber. Some quick trivia I've got here for this one. Michael Crichton wrote the part of Connor with a short, Sir Sean Connery in mind. Indeed, the very name John Connor is an anglicization of Sean Connery. So that is from the files of We Just Gave Up. Ha-ha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This guy makes up names from a card. <laughs>
2: <laughs> F words. Swords for 500.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Senpai and Kohai relationship is touched upon during the movie. However, there were a couple of problems. Apparently in Japan, Senpai is often used as an address address. As an address as a show of respect to one's superior, Kohai, on the other hand, can be considered offensive when used to address an individual directly, as it is putting someone in their place. So, if that's the case, then Captain John Connor effectively insults Lieutenant Webb throughout the movie. Every
2: 20 sec, 20 Uh, minutes or so, maybe? Sure, yeah,
1: Mm -hmm. pretty much Mm -hmm. the entire time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And given that he is supposed to be well-versed in Japanese customs... That means he's just being a big jerk. Yep. So Kohai is normally used as a reference, not a way to address someone. So you might say Smith is the Kohai of Connor, but you wouldn't actually just call him Kohai to his face. The character of Eddie, his red car is a Vector W8, an American-made supercar with a top speed of 242 miles per hour. I bet that's fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, they, yeah, I bet if you drove that car, they'd call you Crazy Eddie too.
0: <sighs> yeah, when you. But you know, I didn't like the color anyway.
1: You uh, know. In the book, the Japanese corporation used high definition cameras with videotape. In the movie, this was changed to recordable laser discs. So nobody opted. I, I wonder if you guys know this little bit of trivia. You remember how with VHS there was VHS, and then there was Beta. Yeah, and, and, and those yeah. were they. Those were the two competitors. I say that as I have like a stack of beta tapes and VHS tapes just over to my left over here. Right. Did you realize that there was also a competitor to LaserDisc, and do you know what it was? I that one, I did not know.
0: That. I didn't. I did not know that. So
1: there was a competitor to LaserDisc that was called VHD. Hmm. And I believe at this point you can get a cream for that. But the VHD is, it was a giant, it looked like a giant three and a half floppy disk. Hmm. And that was supposedly the competitor to the LaserDisc.
0: I see. Yeah. There you go.
1: I will, I I have a link here. Maybe I'll put this in the show notes when we publish the show. I'm going to drop it in the chat for you gentlemen, just so you can see a picture of a guy holding this thing. And then you can, you can make the, the Garth sound effect of, are you about finished? I'm getting tired of holding this thing. Yeah, that's yeah. It's, it's, it looks awkward. Like I don't even know how you would.
2: Oh my gosh. It's funny because I know what that form factor is. Oh yeah. So we had in high school, a really old character generator for the video club. Yeah. And it ran on what was called. Oh, what did they call those? There was a size that is a size of disk that machines used at a certain time. Hmm. I wish I could remember. I'll see if I can find what it's called. But yeah, it was an old. uh, What's the name of it? I can picture the machine, but I can't picture the name of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, so I didn't I had not seen these before, and I just kind of like stumbled upon this as I was looking around for something. But yeah, it's it's was basically it's video high density was the VHD part of it that um, makes sense, and it supposedly had better quality than LaserDisc, but it did not really catch on. And obviously, the LaserDiscs are much prettier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did did not realize that. So interesting. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Let's see what else we got. Oh, (laughs) so we were talking before we started recording about uh, because Sir Connery is in this movie. Mm -hmm. We had some references to James Bond before we started recording. When confronted by a bodyguard at Sakamura's estate who informs O'Connor he's a black belt. O'Connor's response is I keep keep saying O'Connor. Connor's response is, but of course you are, dear. Which is Mm -hmm. a direct homage to to a line from Diamonds Are Forever. does Do you remember what the line is? I
0: personally don't.
1: Hi, I'm Plenty. But of course you are.
0: But of course you of are. Of course you are. Nice. There it is.
1: I don't know if you guys caught this in the soundtrack as you were listening to the movie. There was a scene, actually in several scenes with the car, but there were some other scenes where you could just kind of hear it in the background. Did you catch that the car wipers sounded like somebody gasping for air. I did not. Like it, it there were some scenes where cuz there were some scenes where I was listening to the movie but I wasn't actually looking at it. I was doing something else while I was watching the movie and I was like, why does somebody keep breathing in this scene? And I looked <laughs> and it was actually just the the wipers going back and forward. But there were times in the soundtrack where they had kind of like a like a gasping sound of like somebody choking.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder why. <laughs> we're going to get into this later, but remind me the sound effects and some of the sound, not necessarily soundtrack themes, but the sound cues are awesome in this movie. And so, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying and I, I totally dig that.
1: Yeah. And then the last trivia thing that I've got here, the building housing, the company Hamaguri, where the video recording could be doctored is the same building housing Starfleet headquarters in Star Trek Voyager.
0: Hmm. Well, uh,
1: there you go. Apparently if you want the, I think the IMDB page actually had time codes if you want to go to the Star Trek Voyager episode season 5 episode 4 in the flesh and go to the time code of 15 seconds and compare that with the rising sun at time code 1 hour 9 minutes and 15 seconds then you'll be able to see mm-hmm. it as the same building.
0: Well there's cool things and that's definitely one of them. Mm-hmm.
1: And whoever added that to the IMDB trivia section is a Big old nerd, and we see you, and we thank you.
0: Indeed, mm-hmm. and we love you.
1: All right. The synopsis this time around. Before we play the movie trailer, I'm going to do instead of Don LaFontaine, I'll try to do it in Sean Connery's voice. Here we go. In a oh, it's a little problematic. The word city is in there, and I feel awkward trying to, <laughs> trying to trying to keep things family friendly and saying city in a Sean Connery voice. Okay, let's let's do it this way.
0: Show me on the doll
1: where it's awkward. Well, right here. In a metropolis of secrets. There we go. That worked. Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes face a web of deception. With Harvey Keitel and Carrie Hiroyuki Takawa caught in the shadows, danger lurks at every corner. When East meets West, trust no one. You
0: haven't negotiated with the Japanese before? well this is hardly a negotiation what is it now it's a homicide a detective an expert in ancient wisdom
2: every aspect of your appearance and behavior will reflect on you and on me as your senpai
1: that wouldn't happen to be anything like massa now, would it a cop who learned
2: his lessons on the street senpai apple pie whatever it is you want me to call you we have a murder
1: here i want to solve it
2: you'll probably find them irritating tonight do keep your hands at your sides the japanese find big arm movements threatening believe it or not i have done this before
1: you know i do know these things
2: you come down already yeah well now i go back up maybe come down go up ten times more we're still the police in our own country he's contaminating the crime scene and i want his film we must undertake our own private inquiry I'd like to see tonight's disc for the 46th floor. There! One knows where to
1: look. He killed the girl. I doubt it. Well, I saw it on the disc. Did you?
0: Why well, have you been, to, Lieutenant Smith? You don't think video can be altered?
1: I'll
2: be damned. The other knows what to see. You know what's true? When something looks too good to be true, then it's not true.
0: It's a partnership that's not supposed to work they're safe around here you call this safe senpai rough neighborhoods may be america's last advantage keep your hands down these guys don't like big arm movements they might shoot you
1: it's
2: a
0: case they're
2: not supposed to solve it's a game they're not supposed to win from the number one bestseller sean connery You should know I'm a black belt, but of course you are
0: there.
2: Wesley Snipes. Don't lose your temper. I don't lose my temper.
1: Rising sun. All right, major moments party and murder discovery. During a gala at Nakamoto's Los Angeles headquarters, call girl Cheryl Lynn Austin is found dead following a violent sexual encounter. LAPD's web smith and expert John Connor are assigned the case. There is missing surveillance footage. While reviewing the surveillance, Smith and Connor notice a missing disc, which might provide clues to the murder. Eddie Sakamura is suspected of being the murderer. He is Cheryl's boyfriend, or was Cheryl's boyfriend. He is interrogated, and despite suspicions, Connor lets Eddie go after taking his passport. Nakamoto's Ishihara provides a disc showing Eddie murdering Cheryl. Following this, a SWAT raid at Eddie's house results in a car crash, believed to have killed Eddie. An expert, Jingo Asakuma, reveals that the incriminating disc was digitally tampered with, putting the previous evidence in doubt. Senator John Morton unexpectedly changes his stance on a bill hindering Nakamoto's acquisition plans, raising suspicions of his involvement. I did think I was going to back up just a second because I did think it was kind of fun that, or kind of an interesting choice to start the movie with a, like a, a business board meeting. Like, you mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like a murder mystery action movie, and yet we're going to start it with a McLaughlin group. Issue one. So... Yeah, that's all right. But I thought it was kind of funny because I was like, all right, so we're having a meeting, but now we're also watching TV. We're, what, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. But, yes, riveting board meeting. <laughs> Exciting stuff. Yes, you're right. <laughs> if there were more swords. Those are S words, Mr. Connery. Ha, says you. <laughs> this guy reads from a card let's see sakamura turns up alive at smith's apartment explaining the car crash and revealing a security agent's suicide however confrontation ensues resulting in sakamura's death and smith's shooting the original surveillance disc is viewed showcasing senator morton's asphyxiation with cheryl followed by another figure who truly strangles her to death After receiving incriminating stills from the footage, Senator Morton contacts Ishihara, revealing the executive's involvement, and then takes his own life, death by facts in this scene. In a turn of events, Bob Richmond, a Nakamoto lawyer, is exposed as the killer, only to be killed by Yakuza tied to Eddie Sakamura. That was the other thing about the 80s and early 90s, is movies as a child in the 80s, I always thought quicksand was going to be a really big issue. I think in the early 90s, I always thought the Yakuza was going to be a really big issue in major cities. Yeah, they
2: were they were kind of all over the place for a while, weren't and I, they? And I feel like mm-hmm. as far as
1: I know, I never ran into any of them. But they seem to be yeah. just everywhere. Uh, let's see. Ashida denies any wrongdoing, demoting Ishihara, and leaving doubt about the true identity and motive of the murderer as the story concludes. Those are the major moments. Did I miss anything? Is there anything you guys wanted to point out about the plot before we dive into our deeper thoughts?
2: I think my book, I think you got it all, man. Yeah, it sounded good. It sounded right. like how I remember it anyway.
1: Okay, all right. Deeper thoughts. We'll, we'll talk more about our opinions of the movie, and we'll probably talk a little bit about the music, too. I thought the music was kind of interesting in this one. So yes. I'm sure we will have some things to say about that. So let's get into some deeper thoughts. Mm-hmm. And now, Deep Thoughts.
2: I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think?
1: I like it a lot. Wow. It's very deep. Thank you. All right. So I I did ask earlier if this is the first time you'd seen it, and you guys have seen this one before. Do you remember the first time you saw it? How long ago was your first viewing? I might have seen it...
2: In high school, when I read the book, okay, I feel like I read the book, I had a, went through a Michael Crichton phase where I was reading a lot of his stuff. And then whatever movies were made from them, I saw. Because I read Andromeda Strain and this. And there was one more that is escaping me right now. But I, within six, eight months, I read... Mm-hmm. A bunch of his stuff, and then I would see the movie yeah. afterwards.
1: Okay. Westworld?
2: No, because I actually hadn't seen that until oh, the new okay. show came out. Oh, okay. So, okay. I'm not sure. It's going to bug me now. I'm going to have to look it up.
1: Okay. Pat, what about you? When was the first time you saw this one?
0: Well, it came out in the theater 30 years ago. Yeah. So, I think I saw it about 29 years ago. Oh, okay. um, You know, in high school, I was at a guy's house, staying over and. In- Watching movies and Rising Sun came on, so that's the first time I saw it.
1: All right, okay. And like I said, this just within the last few days is the first time I saw this one. So I had not seen this one before, um, mm-hmm. which kind of surprised me a little bit because I'm typically I typically tend to enjoy a good Wesley Snipes action movie, and I tend to enjoy a good Sean Connery movie. So I was a little surprised I had not seen this one up to this point, okay. but. Yeah, had a had a bunch of people in it that I've enjoyed in other things. So I just, for some reason, myself in this movie did not cross paths before now. So, all right. So I guess in general, before we get deeper into our opinions on things, do you like this movie? It sounded like from initial reactions that you both enjoy this one.
2: Yeah. Yes, yeah, the book for- is good. the source material is good. And the adaptation's not bad either. You know, you've referenced the music you've got, you've got a pretty decent cast to kick it off. You've got all the, all the pieces are there to, to put it, pull it together. Pretty good.
1: Yeah.
0: Bo, I have not read the book, but I heard that the book and the movie differ. They do. And, and even in its kind of depiction of Japan and Japanese culture, just the way they frame it is different. Can you on the spot speak to a little bit of that or It's
2: been a long time since I read the book, but I do remember the the movie as, as any movie, it just takes takes liberties to make it more palatable to an American audience. The the things I remember most being different is they 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 delved a little deeper into the whole Kohai senpai of it all, not just with John and Webb, you, they, they would, they sort of delved a little more into the hierarchy of the company and John Connor mentions losing face a lot. Mm-hmm. They delve a lot deeper into what that means. Like they take the time for Connor to explain to Webb what that means in Japanese business. So it's a little more of that, and it's it's a little more true to at least. Crichton did a lot of research, and he, he wrote the book pretty well, in my opinion. And then the movie took some liberties to make it fit into two hours. Got it. I, I don't remember it. it being like drastic stuff, but it was definitely you got a richer culture from the mm-hmm. book, for sure. I feel like they sped past a lot of stuff in the movie.
0: Got it. Yeah.
1: Um, That was my understanding is that that's one of the reasons why I believe Michael Crichton and Michael Bax, I think was the other guy's name, why I think they bowed out of the movie before it was filmed, because they had some pretty big disagreements with Philip Kaufman, the director, and he wanted Mm -hmm. to do things that Michael Crichton was not happy with. And so that's my understanding is that he he was not happy. Michael Crichton was not happy with the direction that the, the film was going. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. And so he he pulled from it?
1: Yeah, I believe so.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, well I I, I haven't read the book, but my understanding is, is that it was much more like you said, Bo, like it was much more about the almost the political corporate intrigue side of things. Cause my understanding yeah. like the question I was asking myself when I'm watching this movie is when did when did the Japanese replace the Russians as the villains? And it really my understanding just from some of the little research that I did after watching this was that it really, and, and Michael Crichton writing this book was, was a part of it. It really was during a time when more and more Japanese corporations were investing in American corporations or buying them and a lot yeah. of Japanese technology coming into the States. And so I guess part of, I guess, Michael Crichton's fear, if you want to call it that, and his reason for writing the book was a reaction to that being like, Hey, we got to watch out because if, this continues then they're going to take over our corporations and it's going to be it's going to be bad news for American corporations because we won't even own our own companies anymore because they're going to come in and take over everything we've got so that's kind of my understanding I don't know if that's how it comes across in the book but
2: I think it definitely they focus more on that stuff yeah
1: yeah Well, this being the first time I watched it, I, I think I had a little bit of a different reaction to it than you gentlemen did. Um, mm-hmm. I mm, I was mostly entertained by the movie. I don't know that I would say, Pat, you mentioned that it was it was a kryptonite movie for you, that if it's on, you'll stop and...
0: Yeah, you know, if it's on, I watch it. And,
1: and watch it, I yeah. get pretty
0: hooked into it, yeah. Okay.
1: I, I don't think it would be for me. I don't, I, I kind of, as I'm watching this movie... I kind of found the plot to be a little meandering and confusing and I'm, I'm watching it going, okay, wait, okay, hold on. Who's doing what and what's where and why are we doing this now? And it just, it kind of, it it made me want, and I'm not necessarily going to go read the book anytime soon, but what I read about the difference between the book and the movie, I'm like, this kind of makes me think I should at some point read the book because I'm just a little confused by, I feel like some of the threads that were picked up in the movie got dropped and, and unexplained and it felt like there were some dead ends here and there. And, okay. and yeah. And, and, and the action part of it too. I was like, you got Wesley Snipes. Why do we not have more martial arts action here? Like, why are we, you know, cause I don't really think he even gets into a fight until the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I, true. there were, there were a couple things here and there. I was like, yeah, we had a we had a semi decent car chase, and we had some other stuff here and there. But I'm kind of kind of expecting a little a little more here. So I don't. You wanted a little more there, there. I, I wanted a little more there, there. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to decide if if it was just 2023 sensibilities, but there were several different things about about Sean Connery's character and how he's the expert on all things Japanese and. And I'm like, apparently in 1993, you can't spell cultural appropriation without a lot of shh sounds. <laughs> <laughs> a little cul- cultural appropriation. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's the way it was in the 80s and 90s is you you always had, there was an American person that was the expert in the other culture. And I would imagine if the movie were made today, you would have an actor from whatever country, in this case, Japan. I'm sure you'd have a Japanese actor play that role and working mm-hmm. with Wesley Snipes or whoever it might be. But, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of felt like I, it wasn't as much of an action movie as I wanted it to be, mm. and it was a confusing, and I, I usually tend to be able to follow mysteries and things like that pretty easily. It was a bit of a confusing mystery, and, yeah, and then the action, it just felt like it was lacking, like I wanted there to be more action to it. So mm-hmm. it's, I didn't, I didn't hate the movie. I didn't even necessarily dislike the movie here. I'm actually going to make it cause I, I think it's got a very similar feel to it. I'm going to make a comparison and say, this movie made me feel the same way I felt watching the Bruce Willis boat movie, Striking Distance. Okay. Like it had a very similar feel to me. It was like, oh, okay, this is one of those that if I found it on late night TV or if I found it on Tubi, and I just wanted to put something on while I was getting some work done. Sure, I'll watch it once. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll necessarily come back to it. But so I think that's that's how this one this one had a lot of a lot of those kind of vibes to it too. Like that movie too was another you're you're trying to that was more of a serial killer and you're trying to track down the serial killer and it's a lot of mystery and intrigue and sometimes the mystery is a bit meandering and there's like a reveal, but it's not the actual reveal and it's all kinds of twists and things like that. So it, uh, what were those guys? I kept, I kept bringing that up during that episode, the Italian films, giallo films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it felt like a, like a Japanese giallo film. <laughs> so that was kind of my takeaway from it, but it's got, so- it's got Wesley Snipes. It's got Sean Connery. And <clears throat> with anything with Sean Connery, I'm, I'm going to give it a fair shake and I'm going to watch it.
0: So did you, you know, when you were mentioning like the the, the stuff where you would have an, a Japanese actor, or at the very least maybe an Asian actor playing that role. So, so I, I don't want to go and say the devil's advocate and set us up in an adversarial position. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that's maybe that what it is. I guess I would understand if the character was supposed to be Japanese, like if he was playing a Japanese character. Oh, I'm just, I'm, case, I'm not
1: saying, yeah, I'm not saying I disagree with it. I'm I'm just saying if it were made today, that's probably okay. the, that's probably the argument somebody would give is they'd say, we're not going to have a white character play the expert on Japan. Like let's have right. a Japanese person do it. And I, I it doesn't bother me. I, but, it, it made it me think almost... of that while I was watching it, but it, that was not, that was not a, Ooh, John's bothered by this.
0: No, I get no, I get it. And I be, but it was like it was almost like they were playing it as, and I'm trying to think of what things were like 30 years ago, right. But it was almost like that way of doing business, that culture, that uh, obviously it wasn't closed. Mm-hmm. But it's still, uh, again, I'm trying to think of like that was right on the cusp of I think when like Honda was putting plants up in America right, to build mm-hmm. the car, so it wasn't yeah. an import. Like, Hondas are now made in America. I mean, like, all of that, I mean, that was right at the whole cusp of the whole, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, I, I don't want to sound like an expert, but wasn't that on the whole kind of globalization and, you know, things being made in different countries and cheaper and... Yeah, this would have been the right but, time for that. Yeah. Sure. Am I, am I right on that? So it was almost like that Japanese way of doing things, I mean, it was like he wasn't necessarily like the expert on Japan because we couldn't find a a Japanese person, but because he kind of represents, he was a Westerner that lived in the Japanese culture, so he could be the link to help right. connect the audience yeah. through Wesley Snipes to that culture, right? right? Like, am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm. I think if it were made today, if it was. Yeah. Then I think you would have a. I think if it were made today, you probably would use the Tia Carrere character to be the person who mm. is, <laughs> is bridging that gap. Although the irony is she's not even Japanese.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> there was definitely some of that yeah. that we would hopefully correct now. Yeah. Right.
1: So, no, it, it didn't bother me that Sean Connery was doing that. I was just, as I was watching it, that was a conscious thought in my brain was, ah, mm. if we were making this today probably wouldn't be Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes or, or if it was, if you made this today, I don't know that Sean Connery would be the one who is the expert in Japanese culture. Like maybe he's, Mm -hmm. maybe he's still the buddy cop to Wesley Snipes, but you probably would have them also have a third partner or somebody helping them out who is the expert in Japanese culture.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The thing that I get questioning and I, and, again i'm really intrigued to read the book now cuz you know you said michael crichton did his research and all that is whenever you're displaying a culture right i wonder okay how much of this is kind of amplified for the movie and how much of this is kind of an accurate description of the culture mm-hmm. right like obviously what was being portrayed was a very disciplined and a very focused and a very the way they portrayed the the japanese business culture right you know, saving face etiquette, right? Like that great scene when they're at the restaurant and the one guy that's like the deal maker starts talking and everyone just looks at him like, what the heck are you doing? Mm -hmm. And Sean Connery's just like, like, he shows his embarrassment. I mean, there's just a lot of formal and a lot of custom. And I, I would totally believe, okay, that if that's the case, right. But I always wonder like, like how much of that is being amplified for movies and is this all of Japanese culture or do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. those are just the things that I, I don't want to say bump on because I'm, I never lived in Japan, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, it's, that's intriguing to me. So I'd like to read the book and and see how that is now going within the movie. I, you know, and I didn't mean to get hyper defensive. I really like the Sean Connery character. Mm-hmm. I like the, I like the idea of a confident, like, he's playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like his, I like the buddy cop with him and Wesley Snipes. Question However, about the whole checkers chess thing.
2: Yeah. So twice this week, I've watched other shows where this was happening. And I feel like this movie didn't portray that part as well. Okay. Like you know, sometimes you're watching a, a movie or a show and you can tell that the character is two steps ahead. And that's, you were mm-hmm. kind of along for that ride. And then some mm-hmm. shows choose to do it the other way where you don't know that they're t- two steps ahead until they spring it on you in the end. Mm-hmm. There are times watching this movie and it had been a few years since I've seen it. There are times watching this movie that I get the complete opposite feeling that he's okay. just as far behind as we are, but I can't tell if that's on purpose or if it's just as John pointed out, the meandering storyline where some of it gets lost. I didn't know what you guys thought about that one. Well, and I
1: honestly, I thought for a a decent portion of the movie in the back of my mind, I was like, what if Sean Connery is the real killer? Oh, wow. So like that Hmm. was in the back of my mind. I was like, what if (gasps) what if he actually really strangled? You know, what if we're going through this whole doctored video thing and and he's such an expert on everything that he was able to make it look like he was involved in this or, or that he wasn't involved in this, but all you find out at the end. And that's what I thought at the very, very end of the movie that she was even implying was like, Oh, maybe you didn't get the right guy. Maybe somebody took, uh, took credit for it to keep it from getting someone higher up. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, so wait, are you implying it still could have been, and I didn't even think that it was like something. I do higher think the at the company. end
2: she might have been implying that. That's a good that's a good call.
1: So that was in the back of my mind. I kept thinking the whole time, I'm like, wait a minute, is he is is John Connor the killer?
2: I don't know if I fought Connor, but I'm with the whole like yeah. could be someone higher up. Right,
0: right. I, I like that one. I, 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 Bo, with what you're saying, I did, and that was kind of the final, like, "Hey, is the top still spinning?" Right. kind of mm-hmm. thing at the end of the movie that I, right. I, I did, and it, I, boy, and that's that's really interesting, and and maybe I'm, I'm going on a on a superficial level, but it just seemed like, you were called twice, hmm. you know. Well, when he's looking at things or picking up on little, cues, it's sort of like his his. It always seems like his brain is working. His brain is on like the, the next step. And, you know, the next, next thing they're going to do, they're going to accuse you of being a racist. And then all of a sudden it happens, you know, and, and again, possibly that was condensed to run in a two hour movie time slot. But that, that was just for me, I I like seeing that. And I like seeing that character that was always I don't want to necessarily say one step ahead because obviously he was and he even said we're which I didn't quite get the reference, that American game of catch up. I didn't quite get that one. But I get but like he said is hey, we're behind here. Like something isn't something isn't right.
2: Yeah, th- um, that line was strange. I feel like I should have understood it, but I
0: didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so none that, of you so none of you are subscribing to the idea that John Connor could have been the one to terminate her.
0: I had never thought of it until five minutes ago.
1: Okay.
2: I see where you're coming from though. Like I get the whole, he's done work for them in the past. He comes in to clean up a mess. Yeah. Okay. I right. I, I guess if I, if you were asking me like to evaluate it right now, I would say, I'm not sure I can get there, okay. but I'm not saying it's the craziest thing I've ever heard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I, yeah, part of me, part of me, especially when they, when he gets in the car to go play golf with like the CEO guy, I'm like, Mm -hmm. are they, did they make some kind of arrangement? And like, this is, this is them like riding off into the sunset being like, okay, we, (laughs) we, we got past that one. i like, there was part of me that was like, huh, what if that's the case? I do think that
2: sort of goes to the whole, the Japanese culture a little bit though that happened below the CEO. He's, in his mind, clean of all this nonsense. Right, right. This is the nonsense of these lower than scum people that I yeah have written off. And so I've, I've done my bit by letting, by letting you prosecute and, and trace, track down and beat these people up or mm-hmm. whatever you've done to them. I've done what I need to do. Yeah. So I can now go play golf with whoever I darn well want. Right. It's that Arrogance is the wrong word, but it's the best I'm coming up with.
1: Yeah, It's
2: not arrogance. It's something
1: else. Delusions of grandeur.
2: Maybe it's just that, that separation, I guess, yeah. of, yeah, you the, know, the we've, people. we've metered out our justice. What do you, what do you mean? There's more to talk about. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, 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 it doesn't blow back to the company or the guy in charge because it's been dealt with. Very, uh, the word will come to me in about an hour when we're talking about a different movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Now comes the part where I relieve you, the little people, of the burden of your failed and useless lives. Bingo, That. Yeah. (laughs) But remember, as my plastic surgeon always said, if you got to go, go with a smile. Go with a (laughs) smile. So there you go,
2: maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Jack should have been the...
1: I I thought
0: the characters, the actors that they had playing the characters were perfect. Like they put the actors like Harvey Keitel was perfect in his role. The, the dude that was the Senator played the heck out of his role. Right. Like I really thought it was, it was cast. Well, for, for just, they didn't, those guys didn't seem like, if I say that it didn't, it didn't seem like work for them. It felt like that was their bread and butter character that they could really play. Yeah. And I'd I'd like to bring up one. And then, unless John, do you have another question to guide our discussion?
1: No, I was going to say before we get to our three questions here in a minute, we should talk a little bit about the music too. But go ahead. If you were going to. Well, th- this
0: this might be heading in that direction. All you right. know, you mentioned, and I boy, this is going to be a first for the podcast. I'm actually you mentioned more action kind of thing, and normally I'm that guy. But this for me, like honestly, was the right mix of thriller, suspense. And action right now, I'm not going to say it was the greatest action movie of all time, but I don't think it was necessarily wanting to be that. And I'll tell you, there were so many times in this movie when I was like, oh man, I'm right at the edge of my seat. And a lot of that, it almost seemed to be, you always were feeling like someone was watching, right? That seemed to be one of the themes of the movies. Like they're always watching you and they'd show the camera and they had these little musical cues, these, they'd hit a chord or they'd hit something it would really add a lot of weight to the scene. Right. And and this time watching it through, I was like, okay, what is really like intense and stressful about this scene? Not really much. It's a bunch of dudes just kind of looking through a car, but they hit a cord and you're just like, and, in, and sometimes it would be even matched with like the camera would pan back to give you this feeling like someone's watching from another. From the, and so you always were feeling like you were being watched or they were being watched. And I thought that that, that added a lot of urgency and suspense to the movie that really kept me engaged in it. So that when the action scene, whether it was a car chase or a fight or a foot chase or anything like that, it really, it really did it. You know,
1: I wanted to actually play a little bit of the music because I was not familiar, not as familiar with the composer, but there were moments where this, the music sounded like a interesting, I was about to say weird, but like an interesting mixture of some traditional Japanese music, and it almost sounded a little bit like a, like an Elmer Bernstein, Ghostbusters, Black Cauldron kind of like, kind of like a horror, something creepy about it. That was the one I was looking for because it's got kind of a, you have the traditional Japanese sounding music, but then you've got these, these other parts that sound a little bit more like a, I don't know, like a a film noir type thing with a little mixture of a, of a like ghostly horror movie kind of deal. It was interesting. Like it's, I, there were times where, and I, I got the same, not that I didn't enjoy it, but I kind of got the same feeling from the music on occasion that I did from the movie itself, and it was, well, this is an interesting mixture of stuff. Like, I like each of them individually, but sometimes it was a little jarring. I was like, ooh, oh, okay, so we're going to go straight from traditional Japanese to what sounds like the Ghostbusters soundtrack. Mm-hmm. i like, oh, well, that was, that was interesting. And mm-hmm. I, the more I listened to it, I was like, oh, that, that sounds kind of cool, but the first time I heard it, until I started playing the soundtrack separately on my phone, the first time I heard it in the movie, it was a little jarring, and it took me out of the movie for just a minute. I was like, oh, well, that's a weird musical transition. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I now, now having listened to it separately, I appreciate the sound, and I appreciate what they were trying to do, but as part of the overall movie itself, the way it fit in, I don't know. That part was a little, within the movie itself, it, was, it seemed a little strange. But I think the music is great. Like listening to the music after the fact, I I think it's great. And like you said, Pat, some of the different sound cues and other things that they did in the movie, they did a great job with those. Like the breathing sound that would mm-hmm. come on occasion throughout the movie.
0: It, yeah, and it's cool. And again, and again, I'm I'm only presenting this from a matter of opinion and not from a, an adversarial position where right wrong. But it's funny because what you describe as taking you out of the movie, mm-hmm. for me, totally put me into the movie. Really, and. Okay. as as, as, from when I was a kid watching this and it's, it's funny because like, as you were playing that, I'm like, you know what? I don't even process that. That was the music from the movie. Like I heard the sounds and I heard, but the little nuances and the whole film, noir stuff, just because it, to me, it blended in so much with the story being told on the, on the screen. And so it's, so it's funny listening to that. I'm like, dang, I really got to listen to the soundtrack because it, it wove into the story so much. I didn't, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, and, it, yeah. and I, and I don't mean it. I, and I, I sincerely don't mean this as a, well, you've been past. I, it's not like that kind of thing. It's just interesting because it, it's, it's just the different reactions to the same
1: movie. You know what I'm saying? Did you, did you notice how he preemptively blocked the, you've been past I, 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 I did. I, 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 I felt
2: it. the block.
0: Uh-huh. I I see. See, John, it has to do with playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers, right? Yeah, See, I got I, out in front of it.
1: Yeah, I think I think wow. you just I think you just you just drop blocked me.
0: He might have pat
2: splained himself. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, is, okay. is the top still spinning because you just pat splained yourself? <laughs> that's, that's right. Hold on, let me um, let me give you the soundtrack for what you're doing right now. bah. bah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Scored by uh, Pat's thought, life. Scored by Hans Zimmer.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to say that or the Benny Hill theme. Oh, there you go. So I I don't want to jump off this too much, but and, and I've been talking a bunch. Bo, did, did you have some anything you wanted to throw in with the music or that or
2: no no? This was all very interesting. I I, I definitely noted the mixing of styles. I just felt it was an extension of the mixing of cultures in the movie.
0: That's an excellent
1: point. Yeah, that's I hadn't an really excellent point.
2: thought as much about it, it but it, everything you're saying makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, and, and maybe mm-hmm. that's part of the point of the movie and of the story is the cultures are not mixing so well. And so mm-hmm. to have the music be, at least in my ear, the music sounded a little disjointed. And so maybe that's mm-hmm. part of the point is this is a forced mixing of two cultures. And so maybe that's why in my ear the soundtrack came across as almost a forced mixing of different musical styles it just didn't, the music didn't sound when i was watching it with the movie again watching it or listening to it after the fact totally different experience watching it with the movie it didn't seem like it was a smooth mixing of the different styles like mm-hmm. I, I could tell it was almost a jarring oh okay we've switched musical styles now while I was watching the movie, different experience after the fact, but so, and maybe that was part of the point. Maybe part of the point was we're going to exemplify what's going on with the cultures by the way we score the movie. I don't know. I just, I just work here.
0: No, it's, it's all very, it's all very interesting. I'd like to throw up two more things about the music. One, I love taiko drumming. I know a modicum about it. I, I love listening to it. I There's a professor at my college that his son was living in Japan for a time. Was it his son or his daughter? I, that's beside the point. Anyways, he had a family member living in Japan, so he took a sabbatical from the school year, went over. He's the percussion instructor, and he studied taiko drumming in Japan, then came back oh, cool. started a, ta, a taiko drumming ensemble. Let me tell you, when they got kicking in the band room, like you could put your hand on the door, and it would be pulsing. Hmm. Like, the it, it was amazing, just high energy, it, like playing but just it took a lot of energy to play that yeah and i think they bring that out with the movie i mean the the scene is pretty awesome one that in fact i would love to use in class to demonstrate taiko drumming but for obvious reasons you can't do that (laughs) so it was i love the taiko drumming and second of all one of the most beautiful pieces of music of all time the single pedal of a rose written by duke ellington Mm -hmm. it was the piano music that was played when when the when they started to get into the relationship between the Wesley Snipes and the Tia Carrera mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. It is sublimely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um it is an amazing piece of music. Duke Ellington, if I've got this right, wrote it for the Queen of England at the at the time, back when he wrote it in the 50s. And it's we I first heard it it's up at school and we studied it and we talked about it and Analyzed it, and it's just an amazingly gorgeous piece of music. And uh, so, hearing that in the movie was uh, was pretty fantastic.
1: Very cool. All right. Before we jump into three questions, anything else you guys want to say about Rising Sean? That's
2: no, it's good. Don't watch with kids, but it's good. Well, oh, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I got to say, anything with anything with Sean Connery being a lead investigator on something and and knowing more than everybody else does, I, I'm okay. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it got all the things, Wesley Snipes, Sean Connery, yeah. a little action, a little TNA. I mean,
1: I, I think, not, well, what's not to like? I think, I think I wanted, as a lead investigator in a murder mystery, I think I wanted him to be a little bit more, I wanted him to be a little bit more name of the rose, Sean Connery. Mm and I, it, I think that's maybe where i missed that a little bit but you know it's it's sir sean connery it's but in japanese jehovah spelled with an e
0: man there <laughs> you, you <know>? go <laughs> and there it is
1: <laughs> so it's time for three questions
0: he asks each traveler five quest- three questions three questions three questions I
1: award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Three questions. First question. What landmark or place would you want to see if you visited Japan?
2: That's really tough. I agree. (laughs) But I mean, the atomic bomb dome Mm -hmm. springs to mind Mount Fuji. Pick your temple.
1: That's pretty much. That was pretty much my answer too. Was I Mount Fuji would be great, but I think my answer was just about any shrine slash temple slash castle.
2: Yeah, I mean it's such a it's such an interesting culture, and that really we know so little about it. I feel like it would just be an amazing experience. I have a friend whose brother is working over there Mm. teaching English.
0: And it's just some of the stuff. It's just so cool. Yeah. I think you guys mentioned every place that I would want to go. I, I think I just, obviously there's cities and things to see, but I also like to get out into like the nature and the countryside and just to really see yeah. what the country looks like. I, that's the yeah. only thing that I would add to what you guys are already talking about, which sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, that would, I, I think, As a kid, I was already interested in Japan and Japanese culture and and all of those things. I think the movie that kind of solidified it and was like, if I ever, I have a bunch of places I want to go travel to. And Japan is definitely on the list. I don't know if I'm going to get there, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely on my list. I think the movie that kind of solidified that for me in recent memory was Lost in Translation. I think for the the different places they went in the city, like in the city. And then I I think there were some scenes where they went out to a temple or a shrine out on the, in the countryside. And I was like, yep, Nope. Those are kind of like all the types of places I would love to go visit if I was in Japan. Cool. All right. What is your favorite Wesley Snipes role?
0: Mm,
2: I can't say all of them, right?
1: (laughs) No, you got to narrow it down to one.
2: Okay. And is, wow. with, gonna, with this, well,
1: Bo, I do have to say, with this Wesley Snipes question, I, I really hope you don't try to evade the question.
2: <laughs> if you want me to pick role, I'm going to say Blade.
1: All right. I think
2: I there's a ton on his list that I love, but yeah. I think I think Wesley Snipes. I think two things. I think Blade, and I think Willie Mays Hayes from Major League, mm-hmm. because. He may run like maze,
0: but he hits like <laughs> family-friendly podcast. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I I gotta go the daily double. I really like the Blade character. Yeah, I really dig Blade, and I mean he's he's fun and all the other stuff that I've seen him in. I, I like him in Mo Battle Blues. Mm-hmm. He's great in White Men Can't Jump.
1: I'm gonna go as much as I love him in all of those other movies, and as Simon Phoenix in Demolition Man. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I got to go the hat trick and go blade there Yeah, you know. blade blade was also my answer.
2: I mean, he's great in murder at 1600. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just talked about rising sun, but passenger 57. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I just, there's so much good stuff on his list. There's some meh stuff too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The art of war is pretty good.
1: Yeah. I remember that one. I think I actually saw that um. in the theater. Yeah, and he yeah he wasn't bad in U.S. Marshals. He was good in that.
2: Right? Oh, U.S. He plays US Marshals. A really, yeah, yeah. Plays a really good, really good, fun, t- nuanced character in U.S. Marshals. I like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he was he was fun in Two Wong Fu. Yeah. Maxima was his name. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm not surprised that we went for the triple and.
2: No, I ended mean, up with there's Blade. three of them. They might as well pick it three times, right?
1: right. Sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And question number three, what's your favorite movie where Japan or Japanese actors feature prominently? I'm, I mentioned one of my runners-up already was Lost in Translation. I, yeah. I, re- I saw that movie in the theater. I really, really enjoyed that movie. So that's one of my runners-up. <laughs> and I am not going to list my other runner-up because I, there's a thought that it might be be somebody else's, but I'm not sure. But I, I pulled from my shelf my favorite one, and I will show you, gentlemen, ah, right here. There you go. And it's Seven Samurai.
2: That makes sense. I love that movie. I'm realizing I haven't seen as many movies set in Japan as I thought. Maybe I had really okay. Obviously, Seven Samurai, mm-hmm. Lost in Translation, but those have already come up. Spirited Away, I've seen now. I mm-hmm. hadn't for a long time. But I think the, the two that popped to mind for me, and they're not the best films of all time. Don't get me wrong. But the the James Bond stuff, and you only live twice. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> Mister Baseball. Tom oh, yeah. Selleck, okay. yeah, goes to play baseball in Japan, and mm-hmm. that fish out of water, six foot tall, Gaijin walking around Japan is that's a that's a memorable thing, man. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I I hear you on Seven Samurai. I mean, a, a bunch of the... Why am I drawing a complete... Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Movies oh, yeah. are, are great. I have yet to see Lost in Translation. Oh, dude. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. So good. Uh, you, you almost... Know,
2: it, it, I wonder what John thinks about this. You almost have to see Lost in Translation twice. Okay. Yeah. To just to, to get it all. Like, it, it's a great watch the first time, but... Mm-hmm watching it the second time, it's sort of like fills in where maybe you were processing the first time and missed some stuff. Yeah.
1: There's, like, okay. there's, there's no action at all. It's a very, Man. it's a very slow, quiet movie. Okay. But it's, it's very much like the people in it. just a, they, a very young Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. Yeah, I mean, he's still funny, but it's a, it's very much a serious dramatic role.
2: Yeah, and okay. it's just
1: yeah, it's and and it's it's very quiet. It's, there's actually not a lot of tense. talking. <laughs> yeah. There's
2: a lot of things happening even though it's not a fast-paced movie like I don't know, I'm, I'm struggling with my words tonight. Maybe it's the booze. But it's it's for a slow-moving non-action movie, there's a lot of meat there and yeah. I had to watch it a second time before I felt like I yeah. I was processing it properly. Yeah. But I loved it.
1: Yeah. Really um, Sofia Coppola. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. If, if I have to pick a favorite and all I'm going to say, so yeah, the seven samurai, all that John, I'm going to just go ahead and take a wild guess here. You know me so well, because I have to say the last samurai.
1: I knew that that was my other runner up that I didn't want to mention.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know me so well. And then the f- best part was you pulled seven samurai across. And I, I, I just so much enjoy many of the actors in seven samurai. Okay. Cause you asked about actors as well. And I, the one guy, and I still have yet to see John Wick, but he was, yeah, but he played like the, who was it, the, the swordsmith? Not the swordsmith, but his like general in this movie, uh-huh. in Seven okay. Samurai. I've really liked what he's been in. And is it, is it Ken Watanabe? Yeah, yeah. So that movie is, or that actor, I I, I love everything that I've seen of him. I, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan, and so I'm sure there's all sorts of, of things that if people can do to pan movies and all that kind of stuff. But I just, I so much enjoy the story. I so enjoy, it's just, it's a beautiful to look at film. I I think it was just well done, well acted, a great story. And I just, again, I I just could watch it over and over and over. So
1: I I've been working on upgrading my, video collection from some from DVDs to Blu-rays to there's a, a few movie, movies I've looked for on 4K now that I have the 4K player and the, and the nicer TV and everything else. One of the ones that I've bought and I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I know it's not Japanese, so don't anybody jump all over me mm. is I bought the 4K of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon.
0: Mm. John, I, that's not Japanese.
1: No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know.
0: <laughs> but, i'm sorry but in Go chinese
1: ahead. jehovah spelled with i don't even know <laughs> yeah that's i want to watch that one i would love to get seven samurai on 4k i think there's a 4k criterion right. release for that one and you were talking about the last samurai i have it on dvd i would love to see that one on 4k as mm-hmm. well like there's there's certain movies that i'm like i think this would look very pretty yeah <laughs> Mm-hmm. On, on 4k just to see this in like ultra high definition. And that's one of those like seven or last samurai. I remember seeing that in the theater. I think I saw it a couple times in the theater and actually that was when I was working in the theater was when that one came out. So I actually have the original movie theater poster that I got to take home from working mm-hmm. in the movie theater. I've got it up, you know, I think in, in, uh, in one of the, I think in the garage, kind of a little workshop room we have outside next to the garage i got it up on the wall out there and that it was one of my favorite movie posters that I got to take home from working at the movie theater.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: Pat, I am glad that you did not say the Wolverine because you technically have not seen that movie. I don't believe.
0: I, 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 I haven't. The, the best part is every time I watch it, it's for the first time. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool.
1: You're, you're, I just want to like, give You're a, like my mom watching Casablanca. She's never seen the end of that
0: movie. That's <laughs> yeah, right, man. It's like the never ending story. Yeah. The karate kid, and the Karate Kid Part Two, yes, I think are are great examples as well. I mean, I the Mr. Miyagi character is fantastic, and then the sequel when they go to Okinawa and the story just gets richer. I really think that those are are very cool as well. And uh, you know, I know we did the Karate Kid, and uh, we covered. Karate Kid part two. And we covered all of that. Yeah. So obviously go back and check out our podcast for opinions on that. But I think those are great. And if I could throw one more in here yeah, do it. for a movie that I want to see is called, if I got it right, Jiro dreams of S- of Sushi.
1: Yes. I haven't seen that one, but I, I know, I know what you're talking about. It's a documentary, isn't it?
0: Yes. And I've yeah. heard it is amazing. And it's one of those that it was like on Netflix and I'm like, I'm watching this. And finally I got yeah. around to it and it's off Netflix. So
1: I'm like, I remember somebody telling me, they're like, if you, if you, somebody told me one time, they're like, yeah, if Lost in Translation made you want to visit Japan, you need to see, you need to see this one. You need to see okay. Dreams of Sushi. That'll, that'll make yeah. you want to go there. Yeah.
0: And so anyways. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: No, I think I would at least be remiss in not having Godzilla as a runner up as well. So I, I'm I'm definitely going to mention that one and, and Akira. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. We did that one on the show. Uh, granted, it's animation, but it's still Japan, so.
0: Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of really good. So many good ones. And, yeah.
2: Well, and, okay, so this is going to show some of my ignorance, I'm I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah. Speaking of animation, like, I'm going to, I'm sorry, Jeff. Miyazaki, is that all
1: Japanese? Yeah, I believe so. I, I think so.
2: Okay. So, because some of those too, if you start talking about animation, some of that stuff is just outstanding.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think Miyazaki himself is Japanese. I mean, I think. So prob- then those are all. Probably all of his movies were. Because a studio. How do you say a Studio Ghibli? Ghibli or Ghibli? Yeah. I don't remember how you say it, but I
2: don't mean, know. I feel like man, uh, I don't know. Like sorry, every time Jeff. I, it,
1: I get it wrong. I know. But um, that's what he gets
2: for not being here to set us straight. Well, that's true. That's true.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I I think those were all Japanese productions. I mean, he himself, obviously.
2: Yeah. I just don't know if they were all set like in my head they are, but you know, my knowledge is not as encyclopedic in that category as Jeff's. Right. I've been trying to convince my wife to watch Totoro. Oh
1: yeah. I think she would love it. Yeah. I think she would.
2: But it's a tough sell. She's, she's not big in animation. Animation
1: fan? Okay.
0: No,
2: it's, it's interesting.
0: I, so I brought that to the family and everyone was like, okay, are you dad really like, and Tammy's like giving me the side glance because no one trusts me as far as movies go and all that. And you know, they yeah. do
2: know you talk about two a week, right? Like I'm not they, saying um, you're an expert or anything, but mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm.
0: they are well aware. And let me just sum up is Tammy says, I'm glad you that there's other people that have to listen to you talk about movies. <laughs> and then when someone said, Tammy, do you ever listen to Patrick's podcast? The response is, why would I listen to the podcast? I hear him talk all the time. So it's a similar sentiment from, from right. my lovely wife. <laughs> right. But as soon as Totoro came on, like Tammy was like, this is an amazing movie. And the kids love it. Like they, they, they love it. So it's. Yeah. That's good yeah. stuff, man. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, gents, that's going to do it for this episode. So thank you as always for being here with me. I always enjoy talking movies with you guys.
2: Right, Thank you right John for you. putting it together yeah. and keeping us on schedule.
1: All right everybody, real quick, for the rest of this month we've got it's our month of secrets and we've got Batman Mask of the Phantasm is coming what up next What do you say secrets? Sh- secrets. <laughs> secrets. By the she shore. That's right? She-shells, she-shells by the she shaw. <laughs> you Canadian ponce. <puns. laughs> I'll take S words. <laughs> That's too many S words. Their swords, Mr. Connery. Saber. No. No. Uh, <laughs> and Charo, twice. twice. <laughs> no, Mr. Connery. No. <laughs> so, no. yes, for the rest of this month is, uh, so, uh, this one was Raiching Shun. The rest of this month is Batman Mashka the Phantasm, Mrs. Doubtfire. Schindler, Schindler, how do you do the Schindler's List? Schindler? Carefully. <laughs> you did two of them. Schindler's List. it's a little bit of a Connery stutter is what it is Uh, oh dear (laughs) I don't know anyway the Patreon episodes for September are Return of the Jedi Scarface and Somewhere Tomorrow October is Horror Month our Patreons are Something Wicked This Way Comes And then our Patreon shorts are It Started in '93, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., and It Ended in '93, Cheers. And then our regular episodes are Fire in the Sky, Hocus Pocus, Needful Things, Judgment Night, and Leprechaun. That's it for this episode of the 30-something Movie Podcast. Make sure you head over to our website, 30podcast.com, where you can find all the different ways you can interact with the show. Leave us a voicemail, a rating. You can join us on Patreon and get bonus content. There are some great ways to interact with us as the hosts and to find all of our past episodes, 30podcast.com. We've got some great episodes coming up for the rest of this month and in the near future, so make sure that you check out our different social media feeds to see what we've got coming out soon. Everybody, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Be excellent to each other, and go watch some good movies. We'll see you back here next time.